for a single soul. Reaching a further and stepping in closer. Well, I want to welcome you to Living Life. Today we continue to look at Job chapter 34. And Job, you know, has been described as being godly, right? He is upright and he fears God. But this doesn't mean that, of course, he's never sinned. And I think Job would recognize that, that he knows that at times he misses the mark and he crosses the line, but he really does want to live as God intends. And he sees this suffering that he's had and people are telling him that this suffering is because how wicked you are. Well, he thinks that that's not really the case, but suffering can actually be instructive. That's what Elihu is wanting to bring to the table here. And so what are some things that we might learn through suffering? Well, we can learn about ourselves, right? I mean, when we go through a trial or a trouble, some testing, there's pain or suffering, we can learn about ourselves. And I think one of the things that we learn is that we really do need Jesus, right? We need to really trust him and to be yoked to him, right? To learn from him how to live and love and serve. And of course, we can learn about suffering from him because he endured that excruciating pain on the cross. But we also learn about God, right? As we go through suffering, we can learn things like, you know, we don't fully understand God. I mean, there is a mystery to God and there's a mystery to why there is suffering and why do good people suffer. Well, let's keep that in mind as we now have the scriptures read for us at this time. Job chapter 34 verses 21 through 37. His eyes are on the ways of mortals. He sees their every step. There is no deep shadow, no utter darkness, where evildoers can hide. God has no need to examine people further, that they should come before him for judgment. Without inquiry, he shatters the mighty and sets up others in their place. Because he takes note of their deeds, he overthrows them in the night and they are crushed. He punishes them for their wickedness where everyone can see them, because they turned from following him and had no regard for any of his ways. They caused the cry of the poor to come before him, so that he heard the cry of the needy. But if he remains silent, who can condemn him? If he hides his face, who can see him? Yet he is over individual and nation alike, to keep the godless from ruling, from laying snares for the people. Suppose someone says to God, I am guilty but will offend no more. Teach me what I cannot see. If I have done wrong, I will not do so again. Should God then reward you on your terms when you refuse to repent, you must decide, not I. So tell me what you know. Men of understanding declare, wise men who hear me say to me, Job speaks without knowledge. 
His words lack insight. Oh, that Job might be tested to the utmost for answering like a wicked man. To his sin, he adds rebellion. Scornfully, he claps his hands among us and multiplies his words against God. So Elihu really wants to show us the sovereignty of God, and we see that right away in that first verse in our text where he says, God's eyes are on the ways of mortals. He sees their every step. Yes, God is sovereign. I mean, he knows all and he sees all. And so why should we even question God? And that's really what he's trying to say to Job. I mean, Job, you're going through all this suffering, but that doesn't give you any right to question God's character. He's sovereign and he can do as he pleases. And there is purpose and there is plan to what he does. And so don't complain, right? But I think for Elihu, he needs to hear that, you know, God is big enough to handle our complaints and our lamenting and our questioning. But of course, when we do that, we know that God is sovereign and he can put us in our place. But he's big enough to handle what we bring to him. And I like how in verse 29 of our text that Elihu says, if God remains silent, who can condemn him, right? If he chooses to be silent and not bring an answer, well, we can't condemn God for that because he's sovereign, right? We just need to have a complete dependence on God. And so he could be silent or he can actually speak up. I'm thinking about like when Moses was with the Israelites and they're going to be crossing the Red Sea. And the plan was this. He says, this is what God says. I will fight for you while you remain silent. Wow. Or how about when Jesus was with, with the disciples, they're in a boat there on the Sea of Galilee and there's a storm and Jesus is asleep and they wake him up. And he just turns and looks at the wind and the waves and he says, hush, be still. Well, talk about sovereignty of God, right? He just speaks to the storm and it becomes calm. We know that God responds. He is sovereign, but at times he will be silent and we have to be okay with that. Now, it was good for Elihu to say that, you know, we could say to God, teach me what I cannot see. And that's right from verse 32. And that's a good thing for us to say, right, to our Lord. Teach me so that I, so that I can see. I mean, I can't see. I, I need my eyes to be open. I need to learn from you. And so as we're living life, right, Let's be yoked to Jesus, right? He has the best information on the most important subjects. In fact, he is our Savior and our Lord, and so we want to be connected to him. And for those that, say, are just coming into the faith, I want to encourage you that those who are born again must learn to live again. And so we need to be learning from our Lord how to live and love 
and serve. Now, in our text, we also see that he's basically saying to Job, okay, Job, verse 33 says, should God reward you on your terms when you refuse to repent? I mean, are you going to be able to just on your own terms decide who God is? And the answer is no, right? And you do need to repent. You need to turn around and really trust the sovereignty of God. And I think like for our own, our own selves in our day and age, there's a lot of people that want to just say, well, this is how you are saved. And we kind of make up the rules. But, you know, we don't get to do that. We don't get to be saved on our own terms. And so we need to be asking ourselves, what really is real? And we can just see as we look all around that what is real is the triune God, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he invites us into that sweet society where we can have a relationship with him. And of course, this comes through Jesus Christ. And we get to step in to the kingdom of God that's among us right now, where what God wants done is done. And so we can enter into life with God now. You see, salvation is not just for what happens when we die, but it's about life now. So we get to be living life in the present. And we do so knowing that God is sovereign. And so as we make our way through this important chapter and we see what Elihu is trying to tell us, let's be mindful that God sees everything and he knows everything. And we should be okay with that. In fact, we could be like Joshua and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And let's do that to God's glory and our joy. So as we close our Living Life devotional today, and we've been seeing how Elihu is wanting to really bring out the sovereignty of God, we also have to see that, you know, Elihu is a little bit angry, a little cold toward Job. In fact, in verse 36, he says, Oh, that Job might be tested to the utmost for answering like a wicked man. Well, yeah, he, he's a little bit angry, and he's got a lot to say to Job. And he's not always presenting Job in the most honest way. But you know, God is sovereign. He sees all. He knows all. Uh, far more than Elihu. And one thing that I think we just need to really embrace is that with God being sovereign, he says to us, I am your God. And we can respond in faith and we can be his people. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that as we turn to your word, we can see so clearly that you are in control that you are righteous and you are glorious, you're holy, and yes, Lord, you are sovereign. And you know everything, you see everything, you know our thoughts, our attitudes, and our actions. 
and you still love us and you present to us your amazing grace. And so, Lord, I want to pray for those watching and listening. Like when it comes to our words, I ask that we could be people who can really be ones that can share our faith in a very kind and righteous way. And that, Father, we would trust you with the results. So, Lord, thank you that you love us and that we can have a life with you now. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Sim,